Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting from the Oilfield Expert Studios. Oilfield Experts, where you get the right products right now. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto. Today, we're being joined by my co-host, David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine, as well as Jason Modulin, the president of Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. But before I bring them on the show, I want to talk to you about the latest issue of Shell Magazine, in which we featured the newly elected Texas Railroad Commissioner, Jim Wright. Very, very interesting guy. Definitely a great issue to check out. For more information go to shale, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. Again, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. And you can learn all about Jim and all the other very interesting articles on oil and gas. And I don't know if you are aware, we are having another mixer in Houston, Texas, this Thursday at Fogo the Chow on Westheimer Road. This will be a 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. mixer in which we encourage you to bring out your business cards, come and network and mingle, and of course grow your business uh, through meeting other people just like you who want to make connections and uh, encourage growth uh, amongst each other's businesses. For more information, you can go to shellmag.com and click the top banner in which you will find the, the link that goes straight to purchase tickets. We are anticipating this will be a sold-out event, so I would encourage you not to wait. Please, for more information, visit shale, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com and click on the top banner ad. And if you would like to join in on the show today and ask Jason Modlin or David Blackman a question, please feel free to call 210-308-8867. Again, that's 210-308-8867. And now let me welcome on Jason Modlin, president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. Jason, welcome to the show. Hi, Kim. How are you? Excellent. Uh, Great. I always love our live shows because we get so many interesting calls and the calls are already coming in. So I want to get to them. And I also want to welcome my co-host, David Blackman, who is the editor of Shell Magazine. David, welcome to the show as well. Howdy. Howdy. I'm having a little bit of some technical difficulties with my Facebook page here. So I'm going to try to reset that because I hope I'm not going live and stuck in some frozen mode. Um, <clears throat> but before we get started uh, on the phones, I want to, first of all, Jason, you have worked in the past with um, some of our elected officials, some of the best and brightest. Uh, you have also uh, worked in the past immediately for uh, Chairwoman Craddock at the Texas Railroad Commission. So you definitely are an expert uh, on having your finger on the pulse of what's going on at the Texas session. And so before we start getting to all of these calls that are coming in, I want to just give you an opportunity to one to give us a, just a, a quick little update. Like um, we, we know that the bills that were filed, uh, the, 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 the deadline for passing these bills actually was last week. Are there any key bills that the Alliance is monitoring or working on or not very, very happy with? No, absolutely. Thank you, Kim, very much. It is the halfway point in the Texas legislative season, uh, and lots of things are happening at the Capitol. As you mentioned, there's a constitutional requirement that they stop filing bills, and that's always a good thing uh, uh, because they get up to about 6,000, 7,000 bills every session. Uh, 
Mm -hmm. uh, and that's quite a bit to, to take a look at and also see uh, how they affect everyday Texans in our daily lives. Um, you know, there's been a lot happening on the February storm on addressing COVID and on working on a two-year budget um, yeah. that uh, we've all seen very positive things um, in, in that space. I also, uh, we're, we're taking a proactive step this session in working with some other interest groups on imminent domain reform okay. and also pushing back on bad policies like the divestment movement from fossil fuels. Just this past week, I testified in favor of Senate Bill 13 uh, by, by Senator Brian Birdwell. Um, and in the House is a companion bill, uh, House Bill 2189 by Phil King. Uh, both these bills, what they do is basically stop retirement systems from rewarding bad behavior. We've seen banks um, uh, pull out and, and stop uh, investing in oil and gas, but then go further and say they're going to be punitive against oil and gas. And uh, this would basically stop rewarding them with state contracts if they go down that path. I think that's a great idea because, um, you know, maybe other states that have a lot more environmental uh, overreach, uh, but Texas shouldn't be one of those, especially when we all understand how much revenue and uh, tax base is given from the oil and gas sector. So it, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense to someone like me either that we would be allowing them to continue, uh, especially when they're harming um, potentially revenue. And I uh, yeah, it's 35% of our state's economy, 10% of the annual revenue coming into the state every year in, in, in the tax base. And certainly there's a lot more that goes into local taxing jurisdictions um, on top of that. So it, it's an important industry for the state. Okay. Well, um, we already have um, callers lined up. So, uh, David, I'm going to ask, um, I know you have some questions also for Jason, and uh, we have lots. I don't think we're going to get to everything, but I want to bring on uh, Sandra from Fredericksburg because she had called in earlier wanting to speak to you guys. Uh, Sandra, line three, are you there? Sandra, line three, are you there? Okay, we'll have to come All back right. to her. Let's go to, can we go to Joe, line one, from the Woodlands? How y'all doing today? Hi, Joe. We are doing great. Hopefully you're having great weather in Houston. San Antonio is having oh, marvelous cool. weather. Very clear blue day, and the blue bonnets are out. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. So they survived yeah. the big freeze. That's great. Hey, um, so what is your question for Jason and David? Okay, earlier, probably about a year ago, I was reading in such newspapers as the Houston Chronicle and some of the Philadelphia and other uh, uh, large city newspapers, and they were uh, pushing through ordinances to where, uh, well, not the newspapers, but the local cities were pushing through ordinances to where they wanted to ban future hookups of natural gas appliances. Yeah. And, you know, of course, in this latest freeze we had, at my place, natural gas is what saved me because we had the little yeah, natural gas heater, fireplace, even the stove was running in the oven because the electricity was out. So how in the world were we going to survive without natural gas? Uh, I mean, obviously, we know the question, but how can we get that across to these cities that, uh, you know, hey, we really need these hookups? I'm sure you're Absolutely. familiar with what I'm talking about. Joe, you were one of 13 million Texans that relied on natural gas during that storm. Uh, some 4.3 million 
natural gas meters in the state and uh, the railroad commission along with those local distribution companies kept that gas flowing uh, and in many cases if the power was off you were relying on natural gas to uh, uh, boil some water and, and potentially have a fireplace uh, uh, going as well. So that's very important. This past week in House State Affairs, they heard a bill by uh, Chairman Joe Deschatel out of the Beaumont area, House Bill 17, which would basically prohibit cities from enacting these types of policies that uh, are electrify everything. Um, so if a new development is coming in, uh, we've seen some cities, particularly in California, uh, deny natural gas into that development. And what this bill would do is, is basically prohibit those types of practices. That if uh, a natural gas distribution company was ready and willing to serve that development, that they could not uh, be denied by the city. Well, now, you know, we, David, you and I had a discussion, I believe, the last week's uh, show about yeah. Puck and how um, the uh, last remaining uh, person on the organization was pretty much uh, discussing this and saying how um, um, they were not necessarily looking for, uh, hoping that the session would run out and that the legislators would not take any real action. So my question is, and we're on a hard break, uh, and we might have to take this on the way back, but I want to know, Jason, your opinion, you're in session, we're halfway through. What happens if we don't get any uh, anywhere with this? Are they going to go into an extent? I mean, something has to be done. We've, we've repeated this in 2011. Here we go again. Um, and are the legislators going to really grapple with this and, and really do something with these two uh, organizations and, and put them somewhere where there's oversight and maybe the Sunset Review as well, uh, reviewing this this uh, important, important uh, part of Texas and, and keeping everybody safe and warm. How much time do I have? About a minute and a half. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, we'll uh, need the whole next segment. Yeah, too. yeah, we'll need the whole segment. Um, I, I think they will definitely take some action. Some of the some of the clear things that were identified were on communications and on better oversight and, and, and coordination between both uh, the electricity side, uh, the, the cops on the block, if you will, the ERCOT segment, and then also natural gas. Uh, uh, one of the key things that has been identified and both legislation has been filed, but also uh, ERCOT is, is getting into gear and revising some forms. But um, natural gas power was cut off to the, the oil field. And right. so that limited pumps from, from pumping, right. um, uh, that limited uh, gas compressors from compressing that gas, packing it and moving it. Um, so. You know, you know it's bad when the Texas Railroad Commission has to give the exact coordinates to them to turn back on these stations. It's not a, a good sign that they understand really how to keep Texans safe and warm. When we come back from break, I'm going to take uh, another call and uh, we'll get back on the topic of this. You're listening to End the Oil Patch Radio Show and we'll be right back. The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C. 
and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. Join us for the Teague Midstream Mixer coming up Thursday, March 25th at 5.30 p.m. in Houston at the Fogo de Chao at Westheimer Road in Boss Street near the Home Depot. You're going to want to get your tickets now because this event is almost sold out. Featured speakers will be David Blackman, editor of Shale Magazine, and Michael Johnson, the director of communications for Howard Energy. Tickets are $20 for Teague members and $45 for non-members, but you must purchase online. That's Thursday, March 25th for the Teague Midstream Mixer in in Houston. For complete details and to get your tickets, go to shalemag.com and click on the events banner at the top of the homepage. And we're back. You're listening to and the Old Patch Radio Show. If you'd like to join in and ask a question of Jason Modlin, the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, or David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine, please dial 210-308-8867. We want to talk about all things oil and gas. Uh, the 800 number is 866-308-8867. Um, Guys, before the break, we were talking about, um, you know, what was going on with the big freeze and everything. David, I know you had a question for uh, Jason on talking about the Public Utility Commission. And so, yeah, uh, go ahead. Yeah. First, I want to just echo what Jason said about um, about natural gas and these cities preventing hookups for natural gas. We have a gas fireplace in our home and we were without electricity for four days and heated the front half of our house just from this natural gas fireplace exclusively that was the only heat we had for four days so there are a lot of homes lot like that in texas and all over the country it's just these city leaders get hit by these interest groups and it's a concerted campaign all over the country to do these things it's just another front where the activists are attacking the industry um jason uh on the legislature you know we, we're talking about uh, before the break um, you know, whether the legislature is really going to act this time to, to put in place some reforms uh, related to the grid and how it's managed, uh, related to winterization of facilities and things like that. I know that they have been, uh, the speaker in particular, has been trying to advance uh, a set of priority bills. Just wanted to get your take on what you see as the ones that, uh, you know, what's the mood in the legislature this time, uh, in, in terms of passing uh, reforms to, to the way the grid's managed? Uh, I think they're very focused on it. They are trying to find the right mix of, of policy solutions to uh, address the issue. There were so many things um, that went wrong um, and uh, in such a, a very large storm across the state, um, how to address it. Um, uh, I think uh, first off is the uh, the bankruptcies. Um, uh, there's going to be a concerted effort um, uh, from the Senate um, to, to target some of these bankruptcies to make sure that some of these co-ops in particular uh, do not go um, go away. Um, that would be extremely costly yeah. uh, for the other co-ops uh, in the state. And, and so they're going to attempt 
uh, to prevent that from happening. Same with the Railroad Commission. These local distribution companies that I mentioned um, are going to need to securitize some of the, the debt obligations that they took on during this storm. And so there's legislation to, to allow them uh, to recover those costs longer term. When you look to the House, the House has more of a, uh, a broader package on uh, having some dynamic mapping, on having uh, a more coordinated winter storm approach. Uh, they also have an effort um, to, to allow for utilities, both um, gas, uh, electric, and water to be able to um, uh, access some, some low interest funding from the state uh, to help with winterization efforts. Um, so all of those things uh, are going to culminate um, in some pretty concerted efforts. But but I think uh, there's no question members will be back in legislative session later this fall. Uh, they have to do that for redistricting. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be top of mind uh, for all members, including the governor, to make sure that the things that they passed now, have they been implemented? And if they haven't been, what needs to be put in place uh, ASAP? to prevent uh, some of the things we just saw this past month. Well, you know, I mean, um, one of the things that has to be prevented in the future is ERCOT and the, and the, and the grid managers turning off electricity to, to the oil field. Mm -hmm. Now the Houston Chronicle ran an article Friday in which it claimed that a big part of that problem was that operators of natural gas facilities, many of them, failed to file an annual certification with, I guess, the power company that they are a critical facility. And um, I just, I, I read that story and I thought, you know, if that's true, that's very infuriating. But I wonder if that's really the whole story. That's um, right. My, my uh, understanding is, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I, I, it's not. I mean, uh, th that is extremely frustrating. Uh, they don't even show you the form. Um, yeah. As soon as we found out about the form, we blasted it out to all of our members. Uh, the Pipeline Association was doing the same. Many of the other associations in the state were doing the same. And it says in big, bold letters across the top, this does not apply to the oil field. Oil field cannot <laughs> apply for critical designation. So then who, who does it actually apply to? It applies to the adjacent gas compressor stations to a natural gas power plant. Um, okay. So you're talking about a very defined field. You're not talking about moving uh, gas from Waha all the way to a power plant in DFW. You, you can't grab everything along the line. Right. So some of the legislation this session is trying to think smarter about that to say, okay, we have a facility in Plano, Texas. Here's where it gets gas from. So we need to kind of leapfrog back to make sure that that trunk um, maintains electric service all sure. the way. Right now, the obligation before this storm was that you had to be aware that you potentially were moving gas to a natural gas power plant, and then you would need to apply with your uh, electric retail service provider. Um, that there's way too many disconnects in that process. A gas generator that generates electricity needs to know who they're buying from. And then right. they need to mandate as part of that contract that that provider uh, apply for critical designation. And then from our standpoint, 
it would be helpful if that gas generator would also purchase firm gas. Firm gas means that you're not going to be interrupted when there's a higher priority on the system. And in this case, the higher priority was making sure that homes, hospitals, and critical infrastructure was protected and able to sure. keep the heat on. Sure. When, but we, I come, mean, when we come back from break, guys, we're going to do a hard break. When we come back from break, I want to talk a little bit about the media, too, because the media is playing their, their little game again and trying to distract here. You're listening to on the Wall Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Remember this name, Oilfield Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oilfield equipment needs. Oilfield Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oilfield parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oilfield Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210 210- Four seven one one nine two three, and visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Jason Modulin, the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, along with the editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman. We are here live to answer your oil and gas questions. If you want to call 210-308-8867 or 866-308-8867. You can ask any energy question, including the big freeze. There seems to be a lot of attention on that. Guys, before the break, I wanted to get on um, the topic of you know the big freeze, what's happened, and how the media is, is kind of switching things up. But we have had Charlie on the line for quite some time, so I'd like to bring Charlie on to ask the question for you guys, and then I promise we'll get back to the media and the big freeze. Charlie, are you there? What is your question? Yes, thank you. With the gas prices on the rise, can we expect more of this in the future? Um, Gasoline so, prices? Yes, I think it's what yeah, it, prices at the pump. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Jason, so, you want to talk first, or? Well, uh, I mean, some of the initial impact of this is from the storm, uh, and some of the impacts on supply. Uh, we had a number of refineries uh, shut down or shut in temporarily, uh, and that limited some supply. Um, from from being uh, produced and, and generated, uh, we are starting to see some higher demand uh, as well. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I think moving forward, you are likely going to see some higher prices, uh, in particular because of uh, limitations on production um, out of uh, um, our neighbors in Dakota and, and in New Mexico. What about the summer? What can people expect? Um, I mean, I guess, are we going to see higher than where they are right now? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I suspect we're going to get close to that $3 a gallon for okay. gas. So uh, we're like, yeah, what, at for regular, uh, yeah. We're at like 250 Yeah, 250 something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's going to definitely yeah, I mean, impact we're about summer. To, yeah, we're about to go into the season where we're in it now, mm-hmm. where uh, the refineries have to uh, switch over from making winter blend gasolines which there's only, I think, half a dozen of those that get distributed around the country. These are EPA uh, 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 pollution control regulations. And uh, now they have to switch over to making summer blends, which there's upwards of 200 summer blend gasolines that have to get distributed around the country. It's much more expensive 
to make that many different blends of gasoline and, and distribute them where they need to be at the time they need to be there. So that always increases prices. And then as Jason said, we're gonna have, we're, we're going into summer driving season soon. We're already seeing an uptick in, in demand for gasoline. And as summer approaches and, you know, hopefully pray to goodness, uh, the, the COVID situation continues to improve. People get back on the roads, a lot more demand. Yeah, we're gonna have higher gas prices for the rest of this year. Is the administration, the Biden administration, and they're, um, well, I think we're up past 55 executive orders. A lot of them are geared at oil and gas. Does any of this have anything to do with the price at the pump, too? The, these policies that they're sure. putting into place with executive orders? Yeah, sure. it certainly raises yeah. the level of uncertainty. Uh, absolutely. Um, uh, when you don't have clear guidance from the administration on leasing of federal lands, and that includes the Gulf of Mexico, uh, you start to back up that capital investment to, and that certainly impacts the ability uh, for those operators to continue uh, achieving those returns that they need in order to, to keep uh, supply and demand somewhat level. So mm -hmm. right now uh, we have supply uh, uh, in a bit of a, a decline uh, and we have increasing demand thanks to recovery from this uh, from this pandemic. Right. Yeah, and traders, traders also see these policy decisions that are being made and, and you know, uh, the oil price, the, the crude oil price is determined on the on the global market futures trading. Mm -hmm. And, and the, the traders see all this happening from a policy perspective, and they, they're anticipating uh, a much tighter supply market going forward. And that's been a big impact on the price already. And um, we're going to see some more uh, policy decisions coming from uh, the Interior Department and the EPA here uh, over the coming months that are going to only have uh, an impact of further raising the price. So um, it's uh, it's going to be a tough situation for gasoline consumers. Right. So if um, I guess we're going to expect to pay more at the pump, which is obviously going to impact how much uh, families can really, you know, go traveling or where they're going to go traveling because of this administration. And it goes back to, of course, um, elections have consequences. So we're dealing with the big free storm and then, of course, some really uh, – heavy-handed policies, regulations coming out of the Biden administration uh, affecting the oil and gas. When we come back, uh, I do want to talk a little bit about the media and their involvement in uh, the big freeze and uh, natural gas you're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Join us for the Teague Midstream Mixer coming up Thursday, March 25th at 5.30 p.m. in Houston at the Fogo de Chao at Westheimer Road and Boss Street near the Home Depot. You're going to want to get your tickets now because this event is almost sold out. Featured speakers will be David Blackman, editor of Shale Magazine, and Michael Johnson, the director of communications for Howard Energy. Tickets are $20 for Teague members and $45 for non-members, but you must purchase online. That's Thursday, March 25th for the Teague Midstream Mixer in in Houston. For complete details and to get your tickets, go to shalemag.com and click on the events banner at the top of the homepage. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Jason Modulin, the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, and David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine. If you want to join in the show live and call and ask a question on oil and gas, the phone number is 210-308-8867 or 866-308-8867. 
Um, guys, before the break, uh, the last break, we were talking about um, you know all the things that happened with this big freeze. Uh, Snowgate is what I like to call it. Um, it. There were a lot of things that went wrong. And it just so happened that it went wrong right at the time when uh, our session was opening. And obviously, we only go every two years. So a session is very, very important to Texas. But there also seems to be some um, media reports that are kind of attempting to shift the blame away from the electric industry and onto the oil and gas industry. And Jason, how are you addressing that at the Texas legislator uh, level? And also, uh, what media outlets, aside from ours, are trying to combat? No, 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 let's not lose, uh, you know, let's not change the subject. We need to stay focused on what happened and, and fix it for once and, once and for all. Well, outside of In the Oil Patch radio show and Shale Magazine, uh, it's few and far between. It, it, I would say the Wall Street Journal is about the only other one who is remotely telling the other side of the story that, that we do need to invest in thermal generation in this state. Uh, uh, we've seen a, a steady uh, march towards renewables, uh, both wind and solar, and that certainly has its benefits when the wind is blowing and the sun is shining but we've lost a significant amount of thermal generation in this state from ever coming online uh, both in terms of coal but also natural gas and, and expansion of nuclear we were going to expand uh, the south texas nuclear project uh, uh, several years ago um, and ultimately the state did not do that um, and, and so that base load capacity is not there and you're absolutely right the rest of the media um, is trying to beat the drum that we need to either abolish the Railroad Commission for no reason, just it fits with the narrative, yeah. uh, or we need to do away with natural gas, again, because it fits with the narrative, disregard that 13 million Texans relied on it uh, to stay warm. Um, and, and, and then ultimately uh, that uh, oil and gas is bad, because we generate $13.8 billion in tax revenue to the state of Texas, employ hundreds of thousands of Texans and invest in communities across this state. Uh, we did an analysis, you, you'll love this, Kim. So uh, uh, Secretary Kerry uh, or whatever he is now, maybe he's a special envoy or something. He says that the wind industry is going to increase by 20% in two years and then double we said, wow, that's impressive. So we went and pulled the numbers on how many people are employed in the wind industry in the state of Texas. And it's about 3,000 people. That's it. <laughs> and so to double, uh, it's going to take it up to 6,000. We think that is fantastic. We hope that those 6,000 jobs come to the state of Texas. But right now, just in the upstream space alone, we employ 159,000 Texans in the upstream oil and gas space. Uh, many of the other associations track additional midstream and downstream and marketing jobs after that. And you get to nearly half a million Texans that rely on oil and gas directly for their paycheck and another million indirect uh, that, that uh, are affected by that business. So, um, it, you know, it, it's, a, it's a bizarre media narrative right now that just wants to push an agenda and a message and not actually talk about the facts. But I guess the thing that I don't understand, and David, maybe you can tap in on this because you know me, I'm a, 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 I've am never worked a day in oil and gas, so it's important that if I can understand it, then the people listening to the show are understanding this. What is the narrative when we just went through 
a storm that a lot of people didn't have power for days. Some people froze, some people died. And obviously, when you have these uh, green wind turbines and uh, solar, they're not going to work properly. You do need to have that oil and gas as a backup. So when you're pushing this agenda that to completely get rid of it or you know to, to minimize it to nothing, we're going to repeat it again when we have another storm, whether it's snow or ice. Sure. How do you combat that? To, I mean, surely people see you cannot keep buying what the media is pushing out there or whoever is pushing it that we need to go totally to this because we just witnessed that it didn't work um you've got wind turbines that are all frozen up and their their oil and whatever it is 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 leaking and stuff um they can catch fire i mean this is not a good situation and i don't think they did very good in the storm no, they didn't. And of course, a lot of the, the media campaign to demonize natural gas right now is, is a defensive measure for the wind and solar people. Um, the, the fact is that... So don't you know, buy it. Well, I mean, yeah, well, yeah. But I mean, most Americans pay very little attention to any of this. And so they turn on their nightly newscasts or, or maybe pick up uh, the Houston Chronicle and they're going to read couple things in that newspaper and, and be convinced that, well, you know, they wouldn't print it if it's not true. Um, if, but as you know, I mean, we just talked about the story that the Chronicle ran on Friday about this annual form. And the story is, is, is it's almost factually accurate to a limited extent, uh, but doesn't even begin to tell the whole story and is an incredibly misleading piece of journalism that shouldn't have gone to press yet if the editor was being uh, responsible. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the average person doesn't know that. And, 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 and so it's very easy for the media to spin these narratives. And it's very difficult because the journalists are all sympathetic to wind and solar. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult for the oil and gas industry to get anything <laughs> resembling equal time to try to correct the record. Well, I'll remind you, David, when we had Michael Schellenberger on the show, and he basically told us that most of these journalists started off as environmentalists and then just turned into journalism. So it is already biased from the get-go of how they view oil and gas and how they view these uh, alternative, unreliables, reliables, whatever, uh, green things. And I'm not knocking them. I think we need all of them. But to what we just went through, obviously, you can't keep putting these throughout the state of Texas. Uh, and continuing to see more and more uh, turbines uh, being placed all over Texas that are not going to actually do us uh, uh, any good when, 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 when it hits the fan, if you will. Our last segment, we come back, uh, Jason, I want to talk a little bit about bringing it back to Washington, D.C. and the administration. But for now, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to an Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Kim Bilotto, wanting to talk to you about how to age gracefully. As a woman, my appearance is important to me. It makes me feel good about myself when I feel I'm taking care of myself. And I have been visiting a woman for many years who has helped me with my wrinkles, my skin's elasticity. And you know, a lot of people think it's really just involving women, but it's not. Many, many men also seek treatments as they see the aging process occurring. I visit Cynthia, my friend of many years, who is a master injector for San Antonio Cosmetic Surgery. I 
I feel very comfortable going to her and allowing her to just do her work on me. Pick up the phone, call Cynthia, make an appointment and see what she can do for you because it has taken years off of me. So if you want a free consultation with Cynthia, give them a call at 210-641-4320. Again, the number is 210-614-4320. Or you can visit their website at sanantoniocosmeticsurgery.net. Be sure to tell them that Kim within the Oil Patch Radio Show sent you. back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine, and Jason Modulin, the president of Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. Guys, this is our last segment, and I do want to try to wind down what's happening here uh, in the Texas legislator. I know, Jason, you had mentioned earlier um, that you're following some bills, um, but are there any that are troubling to you that um, we need to be looking out for as well that have a really uh, could have an impact on the oil and gas industry in a negative way. Um, <clears throat> is there anything that we should be looking out for? Uh, specifically in Texas, uh, mm-hmm. we, we are tracking a number uh, of bad bills that I, I don't anticipate will will move. And frankly, that's because they raise taxes. Uh, they raise uh, gasoline taxes and they raise taxes on natural gas producers. Uh, I think both uh, the Republican majorities in the House and Senate, uh, but also Governor Abbott, uh, are not going to sign those bills uh, into law. And so that's that's an area that uh, we feel uh, relatively confident in our conversations with legislators that those bills are not going to pass. Uh, we're also following the Clean Future Act that was just introduced in Congress um, this past week. Um, it has a number of very bad provisions uh, in it that, that would basically put us on a clock to end domestic oil and gas production in this country in nine years. Um, uh, they, they, they want to end all methane and uh, flaring um, by 2030 and also uh, prohibit disposal of produced water um, and other types of oil and gas waste uh, from being disposed of um, in this country in, in a pretty quick timeline. Um, and all you're doing there is you're just shifting demand um, because nothing in, in the next nine years is going to replace oil and gas. Um, uh, we, we supply nearly 85% of the world's energy comes from fossil fuels. Uh, and in this country, it's a substantial portion, uh, both for fuel, uh, heating your homes, uh, but then also the chemical feedstocks that supply so much of uh, the plastics and other uh, manufacturing in this country that we've come to rely on. Um, by doing away with domestic oil and gas production, you shift that demand, we start importing more from countries around the world um, and just produce less here. Um, so that's what uh, was introduced this past week in the House of Representatives, the Clean Future Act. That doesn't or as we about like to raising say, gasoline coal. prices. You know, I mean, yeah. think, think of what that'll do to gas prices if we can't produce crude oil anymore in the United States. And David, you're bringing up- astro- astronomical. Yeah. yeah. Y- y'all both are bringing up a good point that, that, that we need to understand as consumers, when, you, when we do this, we're going to be more dependent on uh, other countries for their oil. And of course, we are subjected to whatever price they want to give to us. And of course, we also are more invested in w- wars that uh, potentially are happening in other parts because 
of the fact that we have to uh, we have a vested interest there as well. Yeah. Um, anything coming out? I mean, I know you talked about this one thing in Washington, but the administration is up to like over fifty five executive uh, orders. Uh, Jason and, and David, a lot of them are geared at towards oil and gas, and we talked about it. But is there anything that you see coming down the pike where he, he's hinting around he's going to do some more executive orders and cause? more damage to already a very um, uh, stressful and delicate situation right now with, with the operators and stuff. Yeah, um, uh, I, I would say earlier in the administration, we were uh, anticipating a climate emergency to be declared. That might still happen uh, if they convince uh, the president that he needs to go down that path. Um, uh, and that would certainly create all sorts of new challenges uh, if the president was using his emergency powers to try to limit um, uh, pollutants uh, when when the United States is the only country that is remotely making any strides uh, towards the Paris Climate Accord. Um, but uh, it, it, it conceivably could happen. Uh, and just a, a note back on Texas, we're going to do our energy day this week at the Texas Capitol. And it's texasenergyday.com. And a number of programs will be uh, broadcast out on that um, uh, live. We'll have Commissioner Wayne Christian and a number of other legislators uh, speak about the importance of oil and gas here in the state. Jason, uh, when is your energy day again and how do people, you know, tune in to that? Absolutely. It's Wednesday at the Texas Capitol and um, it's all virtual this year. Thanks. Yeah, to so COVID. don't show and, up. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the website is TexasEnergyDay.com. And you can watch along with um, uh, the folks that, that will be in the building and also in and around the building a number of broadcast uh, talks and, and seminars. Well, you know, we, we too have a Teak Texas Energy Advocates Coalition, and these are the people that kind of tend to work outside the oil and gas industry that advocate on on uh, its behalf. And uh, if there are any troubling bills or things that you feel we can get along in uh, or get involved in, please be sure to let us know. Um, you know, this is a troubling time, I think. I see it for us, for Texas, and for uh, this administration. And I, I, I just feel like, there's just not enough information to help people understand that we all still live on one planet. And if other countries aren't doing their part, and yet we are doing these things to try to curtail and, 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 and help the climate, this is great. But we still all live on one planet. And until we start taking this on as a global problem, if it is, I just don't think that the United States um, should be completely dismantling its energy oil and gas policies here, because then it makes us more vulnerable um, on, a, on a national stage. Or it's, to me, it's a matter of national security that we are not uh, protecting our assets here, and we're actually taking them and, 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 and putting them somewhere else. And those countries have very, very little oversight and very, very little uh, regulation on uh, oil and gas and trying to, you know, minimize uh, air admissions and other things that are 
uh, supposedly worrisome to everybody on the planet. But guys, that is all the time that we have for this show. Thank you for coming in. I want to also thank the callers that called in as well. Jason, one last time, give us a plug for Texas Energy Day. Where do they go? And is this free? Can people just jump on? Uh, absolutely. Uh, it's absolutely free. You can register at TexasEnergyDay.com, TexasEnergyDay.com. And the program is on Wednesday this week. Uh, that's March 24th. Great. And David, I want to leave a plug for you too, which is you have a new issue that's coming out in which you are covering. What is the feature for Shell Magazine, uh, the cover feature? Oh, yeah. Well, we have uh, the cover story is uh, basically a summary of the Biden uh, energy policy, a lot of which we talked about today. And uh, some of the executive orders he's already issued and the impacts that's going to have on all of us uh, here in Texas and across the country. And um, and the impacts it's going to have uh, on the economy uh, going forward. So uh, it's, uh, you know, it was kind of a, a depressing thing to write, but uh, there it is. And uh, it, I think it makes for good and entertaining reading. I hope everybody will take the time to, to, to read it because it's very important information for all of our future. In the Oil Patch is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.